1518, Martin Luther, the uh, architect of the Protestant Reformation, was kidnapped. Um, he was returning. Um, he, was, he had just been found guilty in this uh, theological consultation called, the, interestingly, the Diet. So diet meaning this confab, this convention, this theological hearing. The Diet of uh, it's spelled worms. Um, you're supposed to say it with the V, the diet of worms, but um, the diet of worms, which, you know, I guess if you're in junior high, that's pretty funny. Anyway, he'd been at this diet of worms, worms, and um, he's declared guilty, so he uh, is going to hightail it because you, you're not promised safe path. Well, you're often promised safe passage back home, uh, but that doesn't happen. Previously, people had been killed. So Luther and his um, cohort immediately take off to try and escape uh, before the authorities can uh, marshal themselves against him. But he is kidnapped. He's overwhelmed as they're racing through the forest. He's overtaken by 10 men. Has to think at this point that he's going to be killed, but it's actually 10 men that had been sent by, uh, by a friend of Paul's, the Duke of Saxony, who has his own political reasons for wanting to keep uh, Luther alive. And so he, uh, nobody, nobody knows what happens to Luther. He's going to go undercover, and he's going to spend a year living incognito in a castle uh, in Germany, which I have been to. You can go to the castle and see where Luther studied. And, and so I say all that to say this. If you were at the helm of this major movement, this Reformation, and the, the Protestant Reformation, just for the record, is not simply a church thing. I mean, the Reformation is primarily, it's a theological pivot. It's a, it's, I would argue as a Protestant, it's a correction to some ways the church was getting some things wrong. It's going back to the Bible. But, uh, but it changes Government, it changes the family, it changes art, it changes, I mean, it changes everything. And Luther is driving this. So, uh, if you were at the helm of this fluid, dynamic, global sort of um, insurrection, and suddenly you find yourself, you know, off the grid, <laughs> hiding out for, uh, for a year where you're not in communication with people or for at least for a while because they want people to think he's dead, uh, what would you do? What would you do with that year? Now, I've had some time to reflect on that question, and I think the answer I would like to give is that I would study and pray. I think the reality is what I would do, besides be very agitated and anxious, uh, is I would, uh, I would try and write a book and raise money. <laughs> sort of, you know, you look to the tools you got in your toolbox. So what does Luther do? What Luther does with that year is he translates the Bible out of the Latin that the people couldn't read into the vernacular, the German that people could read. And uh, he does this because he recognizes the power of the word of God. So we're now in Hebrews chapter four, we come to this famous verse, of, starts verse 12, that the word of God 
And, and this, just so you know, the word of God, in John, the Logos refers to Jesus. He's the word of God incarnate. But the word of God is also refers to the word of God written. It refers to the Bible. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing as far as the division of, of joint and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so... Um, I used to think uh, that, that what we held in our hand when we held this book um, was, um, was a lot of instruction. Come to understand that it's, it's, it's not, I mean, I understood this for a long time, it's not a dead letter, right? It is living and active. So everything that we know about God, we know because God has chosen to reveal it. Like he could hide and we, we wouldn't know anything about God. So God has chosen to reveal himself to us and he does this primarily in two ways. We have what we call general revelation and we have special revelation. This is sometimes called natural revelation and this is called supernatural revelation. So general revelation refers to the general information that is available to everybody generally. And uh, it's what you can learn about the creator by looking at creation. And David writes about this in Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, right? The skies, the hand, his handiwork. There are things that we can learn about God. And this is what gives rise to science. Scientists were initially called natural theologians. and They were studying the world in order to better understand God. Uh, and, and science is born out of a Christian worldview because uh, those that thought that the, the earth, the world was supernatural, didn't want to study it because that was sort of sacrilegious. And those that thought that there was no God behind creation didn't understand creation to be ordered and uh, revelatory. But David says, yes, we can learn things about the creator by looking at creation. That's God reveals things through natural theology or general revelation. The problem is this isn't enough. And so we also have special revelation, supernatural revelation. And this is information that, that we gain about God because it is communicated to us in this book. So there are limits. I mean, there's limits to both. God doesn't tell us everything. We can't comprehend it. Uh, the the mysteries of God are beyond our you know our 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 labor grade or whatever it is that Obama said uh, pay grade. I don't think that's it. Anyway, there's limits to supernatural revelation, but there's greater limits to general revelation. And so God has communicated very important specific truth uh, in this book for us, and it is. Um, it is not a dead letter. It is alive. It is living and active. Sometimes we read the Bible. Sometimes we recognize, oh, no, actually, the Bible is reading me. So uh, the word of God, we're going to keep talking about it. Have a good day.